Welcome to the Yal Mega Podcast, where we delve into the inspiring stories of entrepreneurs, motivational coaches, and business leaders. Join us as we hear about their journey to success and the challenges they face along the way. We'll uncover their secrets to perseverance and determination and gain valuable insights into what it takes to reach your goals. The journey may not be beautiful, but it is always purposeful. So sit back, relax, and be ready to be inspired by those who have dared to dream big and make it a reality. What up, everybody? It's Al Mega. Welcome to a brand new Al Mega podcast, a.k.a. The Amp. And today we have an amazing guest, a survivor. Where about move over, Beyonce? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I mean, she went from prison to purpose. She's overcome drama, addiction, domestic violence, traumatic brain injury. I mean, this woman has gone through so many things in life, and yet nothing has deterred her from giving back, opening eyes. She's in the middle of writing a book. She opened up a fashion brand. She's an artist, an amazing young lady all around. Let me introduce the one, the only, the legendary Elizabeth McTuckowitz. McCartowitz. McCartowitz. I was close. I was close. Yeah, very close. <laughs> Liz, what's popping, kiddo? How are you doing? Welcome to the amp. I'm great. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. No, no. Thank you for coming on and, and willing to share that amazing story. Wow, what a journey that you have been on. A big shout out to Podmatch and, and, and Alex from over there, the other big Al. Shout out for, for this connection. So Liz, let's get into it as we you know start going down the road with you a little bit. So tell us a bit where you from originally. Well, I was born in Quincy, Illinois, and I was given up for adoption at birth to a couple in Brooklyn, New York. And I say we stayed in Brooklyn till I was like two or three. And then my father got a job at the University of Maine. So we moved up to the Bangor area and I lived most of my life there. And I had a really great childhood, a lot of love, a lot of support. Um, I struggle with mental health issues. Um, like starting at around 12 and they kept misdiagnosing me. And it wasn't until this year, actually, I found out that I'm high functioning autistic. And so oh, wow. like all the bipolar meds and everything, they always made me worse. And so that was something I really struggled with for a long time. But, you know, wow. I, I had a great, you know, childhood growing up and um, it wasn't until I got to my, you know, late teens, early twenties, um, that I got into a domestic violence relationship and he was so violent. Um, like my first injury, I was in the hospital and like, wait, 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 I gotta ask you. So here you are a young lady, you know, getting put onto life and, and, and meeting people. What happened? Did you not read any of the signs prior? Was something totally unexpected? What happened there? Well, you know, I looking back, um, because I'm high functioning autistic, I, I would miss cues and, you know, body language. And a, a lot of times, you know, back then I would stay longer in situations that now I wouldn't, I wouldn't stay. Like, it's like, I didn't know when to leave and I couldn't, you know, read between the lines as well. So that was, you know, I had to, I had to learn the hard way. <laughs> I, oh I had to learn gosh. the absolute hard way. And, you know, um, so he sorry. gave me, he gave me a head injury uh, and my skull was showing 
and it was right above my uh, left eye. He hit me with a wooden dowel and um, they had to sew the muscle back before they what? sewed the skin back. Oh yeah. And they told me, when you clean this wound, do not put makeup on it. Do not, you know, wash your hands because where it's right next to your brain, you know, you can go blind, you can become brain dead. Like there was a whole bunch of possible complications. What in the world? My God. Yeah. And on, on top of that, they gave me opioids. And at first I took them, but then they're like, now you need to go to the pain clinic. And I found out I was pregnant with my son when I went to the hospital for that. So... Yeah, it was it was pretty awful. Okay, and I know you mentioned something there. Uh, you know, they were trying to force you to do the opioids while pregnant, and you you didn't want to because you knew that was going to have an adverse effect. I mean, who you know, yeah. anytime you introduce a foreign substance to the body, of course. Um, but why weren't they listening to you? I mean, you didn't yeah. want to take this. You were with child. <laughs> Honestly, I think. It's because I now that I was like not on my parents' insurance, which was private insurance, I was now on state insurance. And I noticed that I got treated differently. You know, I was Worse. always in the, in the middle class. Yes. You know, oh. talking down to and just treated like low class, you know, unmarried mother. And, you know, they told me they're like, you're on too small of a dose to get addicted. And we all know now that that's totalized. And you know, then they threatened me with child protective services because I was pregnant. And they're like, you're in so much pain that your blood pressure keeps skyrocketing and it's bad for the baby. Well, opioids just make the pain receptors in your brain more sensitive. So when they wear off, you're in double the amount of pain you were. Because your body wants that now. Hey, right. you gave me something to dull it before. Give it to me again. <laughs> right. It's that flooding of uh, dopamines and then you can't get it back. So yeah, I was, you know, I, when I was pregnant, I stayed in control of it and I didn't like take extra pills and I didn't do that. But after I had my son, I was like, well, you know, it's just getting worse. And I had no reason to like stay in control of that. And the trauma was getting worse. The beatings were getting worse. I was getting sexually assaulted. You know, uh, he would torture me. He would trap me in the bathroom and torture me for hours. Like it would start with me begging for my life and then it would end with me begging him to kill me. Just get it over with. I can't do this anymore. And um, I eventually went to the battered women's shelter in Bangor called Spruce Run. So may First, I ask, oh wait, wait, before you get to that, how long did you subject yourself to this, to his behavior like that? Well, I tried to leave after like a year and that got me held hostage for days and threatened what? and everything else. So. And, and then the other thing he would do is like, after I lost my prescription, um, he would beat me up and then bring me opioids and then threaten me with CPS. I'll call CPS on you if you try to leave. So it was this whole like oh, control, wow. like oh. I didn't know how to get out. And it, you know, then he choked me to the point where my um, windpipe collapsed in on itself. And the doc, my, my windpipe would literally close after this injury. Like I, up to a year after, it would just close in on itself because of the damage he did. And I would have to chug water to open my airway to breathe. And this would go on anywhere from like 10 minutes to an hour where I would just be struggling to breathe and having to chug water to keep my airway open. And it is so Jeez. scary. <laughs> I mean, the trauma. Oh and the God. funny thing is, like, people don't realize how damaging this is, you know, to an individual. Like, I never had a waking conscious thought about hurting him 
are, you know, responding with violence, but I started having dreams about killing him. Mm. And that's when I was like, this is getting really bad. Like I'm losing myself. And, you know, I went to Spruce Run, the battered women's shelter. And first they called me a liar. They, because I wasn't crying. I had no emotion. I was like in shell shock. Like I had no emotions left. Of course you've been through a lot of uh, 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 abuse. So you're, you're kind of numb. Yeah, they said they didn't people believe are so, me. I'm sorry, I, I hate to say it, but it's like people are so effing stupid. Just because you're not crying, you're lying. Yeah, yeah the they, they said here, they no? didn't believe me. They said, well, most women come in here and they're crying and upset. And I'm like, are you serious? I guess the scar on my face isn't like enough evidence for you. I wasn't the yeah. right kind of victim. Oh and my then, God. Huh. <laughs> so you, I went you weren't back. crying enough. That is yeah. bullshit. I didn't cry on cue, so <laughs> we don't believe you. So then I got my hospital records and the police that, you know, brought me to the hospital, the last showdown between me and him. And then they did a complete 180 and they said, well, your injuries are so extensive and, you know, your situation is so dangerous that it puts the other women in the shelter in danger. They had two beds open and the girl that got one of the beds, the guy didn't even hit her. He kicked her car. And that's domestic violence, absolutely, you know, destroying property. But in comparison to my situation where I had almost, if I hadn't gone to the hospital, I'd be dead. Like, are you kidding me? And this is a problem with victim-based shelters. A friend of mine got turned away from the sex trafficking shelter because she wouldn't snitch out her pimp. She wouldn't give them a collar. So if you're not getting something from these victims, you're turning them away. And oh, you know, wait a minute. Now that is the biggest load of crap I've ever. Are you serious? Yes. You yes. have to be a snitch. This that as proof, if you will, <laughs> to get to get protected. Wow. Right, that, right. Like, wow. like these pimps don't know where these girls live, where their children are, where their parents are. Like they don't have them. Like they haven't taken their IDs. They're, you know, they, they've well, got these You know girls. what the smart answer is? I will give you, I will tell you where this pimp is, but may I please have the ID so that way I could give it to him in advance. So that way when you go after me, at least he knows where you live and you understand why I don't want to talk. <laughs> right, right. right? Like Let me get your ID. Women. I'll give it to him. Exactly. So, you know, drug dealers protected me, you know, they gave me places to hide, they gave me work, like work. <laughs> and I was so hardened from, you know, all the abuse that I went through. I made a pretty good drug dealer and I was turned into this little metal, you know, thug chick on the street who wouldn't back down for shit. Cause at this point I weren't, I weren't scared to die. And, you know, like there were men that were intimidated by me because I just would not back down and I got so aggressive like no you're not gonna put me in the hospital again I'll kill you first like that was my attitude after that and you know over a couple of years I oh and once once I went once Spruce Run turned me away I made a deal with my father if you know if they wouldn't help me I would sign temporary guardianship to my children so they would be safe when I did that I lost all my medical insurance um any vouchers I had for my kids Why? So now because they weren't in my custody and in the state of Maine, you can at that time you could only get medical insurance. And this was under LePage. You could only okay. get me free medical insurance if you had children or were pregnant. I no longer had those children in my custody, so they're not going to cover my medical care. And so I, I couldn't get medicated anymore. I couldn't go to therapy. I couldn't go to rehab. I couldn't do any of that anymore. 
they were telling me, oh, well, you need to have, you need to get pregnant if you want to get medical insurance. What? I'm like, I'm just trying to be okay enough to get back to my other kids that are already here. Oh my but they God. don't want that. They'd rather have kids in the system. Luckily, my family. Of course, because that. Hollywood, Hollywood needs right. new kids that they could be predating on. Right. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. The other thing I didn't mention is after this head injury, I started getting seizures. So I would wake up on the ground, you know, after being unconscious for God only knows how long with toddlers running around. What? So, yeah. So that's why, like, my daughter oh, my started staying with my father, you know, after that oh, happened, God. because I was no longer a safe caregiver for her. You know, would you leave your toddler with someone who was going into seizures and unconscious for oh, five to ten no. minutes at a time, not even knowing how long they were out for? Because I wouldn't. And so eventually, you know, after a couple of years of working my way up the, this chain of, you know, criminals, I eventually caught drug charges with the feds and I was arrested in 2013. Well, I was arrested in 2011 for state charges. And then the feds picked it up two years later for the exact same drugs I had already served time for. So there's no such thing what? as uh, double jeopardy when it comes to drug dealers. They say it's a different jurisdiction. So the state can charge you for these drugs and then the feds can pick it up and charge you for the same what? drugs. Yeah. Holy smokes. That is not right, yo. No, it's not. And, you know, that, but, you know, I'm kind of grateful because it woke me up to the illusion I was living under that white supremacy had, you know, convinced us all. Like, I thought racism and discrimination was, like, over. Like, I knew there were obviously a couple bad apples, but I had no idea <laughs> the systemic <laughs> oppression. <laughs> right? Not more than a couple. Holy smokes. <laughs> So, you know, like my first week at Somerset County, I witnessed an entire pot of women get stripped because a male sergeant wanted a list of who shaved their vaginas and who didn't. Those that did got punished. And that man still works there, still collecting a pension. You know, I... Yo, you tell me that. If you were my daughter and you told me that, I'm going to go talk. Hey, can I have a question with you? I'm going to be an inmate with you <laughs> at another location. Oh, oh, it gets better. That. It gets better. They had illegal cameras inside their SMU cells and they would force with, I, they forced me to strip in front of these cameras under threat and duress of being maced and extracted. Now, when they extract you, they come in 12 deep, all suited up in tactical gear with batons, mace, these can, these bombs they throw in your cell and it's chemically designed to take the oxygen out of your lungs. So you can say, no, I'm not doing that. You know, why would you agree to it? Like you chose it. They, you will be met with extreme violence and they'll get away with it. So it was it, it the good guys, you. right? Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. what I'm saying. There is no such thing as good and bad. It's all perception. No, you're six times more likely to get sexually assaulted by a cop than you are a civilian. Insane. Oh, and listen, um, uh, I was married, and I remember my shorty telling me an incident when she was 16 years old where male officers were checking her. Not yep. supposed to. No. Nope. feel me? And, you know, touched her in places. I'm like, oh, my God, thank God I was I not there that day because, first of all, that cop had been not here, and yeah. and, and, I'd, and I'd be in jail. When I, I was I had an abuse of yeah. no type. Get no. no. I don't want to Nope. 
<laughs> when I was at Cumberland County, because they switched me, they transferred me from Somerset County because they did a whole bunch of horrible stuff. Like I had a sergeant telling me to kill myself when I was in solitary, being given the wrong psych meds that was putting me in psychosis. You've that been in solitary? Talk to me about oh. solitary. Oh my God. Uh, I how how is that? Nightmare. What's that term like? Like, like what, what even causes you to go to for them to punish you? whatever they way. want they didn't like me they said i was mean to somebody and i i told this girl to stay the hell away from me because i know she snitched my former bunkie out and she went and cried about it because she wanted to go to a different jail and she would tell on people for using a shower on the wrong tier like she was just petty snitch like Ooh. and she was just awful and you know this one sergeant had it out for me and she would she would write on my uh um request forms i can't wait for you to get out and overdose so you stop wasting taxpayers money she still works there she told another inmate to kill themselves and they hung, they attempted suicide they had to cut that inmate down from a suicide attempt hanging himself and she still works there still getting her pension from the taxpayers money this is what we're paying for and they're calling it rehabilitation rehab like, that's abuse it is. Are you going to rehab someone by, by telling them to kill yourself? You're not making them a better person. No. You're not helping them in their journey no. to become better. Wow. And solitary, behavior. they did a study on solitary. It literally slows the brain down from the lack of stimulation. So my longest stretch was six weeks. That's nothing. Like my fiance did 18 months in solitary. Like it rewires your brain. So when I got out, like people talking over each other, would overwhelm me to the point where like i'd go into fight mode like who do i gotta fight to get out of here like, like you just shut can't. the hell up because i'm about to swing son yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god i can't imagine it, and Jeez, you know it was it was experience. awful when i was in there they brought this iraqi vet this woman iraqi vet who couldn't handle her trauma from the war and she tried to go out you know suicide by cop and then they mm. let her out a couple weeks later and she ended up killing herself. And it's like the, the military is just another corrupt institution that needs to be held accountable for what it's done. Like I was in prison with all the female vets that were, you know, thrown away by the military or even put in jail for standing up to their rapist. You know, they, they protect and breed predators there. And then yeah. they come to work at the jail. There was a case. Wasn't there a case like that not too long ago just with now. a young woman? Yeah. yeah just like, they killed her. They yeah. killed her. And you know, on base, um, okay. Well, you would think yeah. you're safe, you're amongst your brethren, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> quote, it's, it's not wow. at all. And when oh I went to Cumberland, gosh. I met some juveniles from um, the juvenile facility. See, when they don't behave, they send them with us, the adults. And there was this one 17 year old girl who was repeatedly getting raped by high-ranking officers. And she was not the first and she was not the last from that facility to get touched. She ended up snapping and stabbing one of them. So they brought her with us. When they told her she was going back for her last two weeks, she'd already done 18 months. Two weeks is nothing. That's a nap. Yeah. She slit her throat. What? She survived, but that was better than going back there. <laughs> My and this gosh. is what they're putting juveniles through and you know they're talking about we need arm we need armed people or armed cops in the schools to stop school shooters you did that and all you did was arrest a bunch of black kill children and send them away you know to juvenile facilities damaging them and traumatizing them you know getting rid of their education and you know it's just a prison pipeline 
And people like to wonder, well, why do we have so many people in prison? I'll tell you why, because a hospital saves $350,000 a year contracting all their dirty linen to be washed by inmates instead of paying people minimum wage. Not even a livable wage, just a minimum wage. This is all profit. This is all, you know. So wait, wait, you, you just you just messed me up here. So hospitals send their linens to these offsites yep. at prisons, and these guys are doing it for pennies. A day, yeah. We were paid five dollars and twenty-five cents a month to work forty hours. A month. A Jesus yep. Christ. And mind you, everything in there costs more. Like a package of ramen noodles that costs like twenty cents out here, it costs a dollar fifty in there. Tampons, if they even have them, will be triple the price. I mean, we had women making their own tampons out of what whatever they could and getting infections. And I'm so excited because we just we just passed a law in Maine that's mandating all jail facilities provide tampons and pads to women for free of charge. So, but talk we gotta, about we, this. Talk about this because you are a warrior. You came out of your you. situation and you came out here fighting. You know, yeah. you've gotten bills passed, you've made change, you've built a business, you've become an artist, you've inspired others. Talk about Thank how you. you turned that around. From that well, day that you left, what, what was it that got you so fired up and you started just hitting the world differently? Well, you know, when I was out on probation, like the trauma was so bad, I couldn't deal with it. I had a panic attack every time I left my house. Not to mention, I had $1,300 worth of psych meds that the prison put me on that I had no way of paying for. So now I was like detoxing off these meds. And this is a big problem for people wait, being wait released a minute. as so, well. Wait, wait a minute. So hold my, you, you're, you're teaching me, educating me here. So you're telling me you, you were getting taken care of medically in there. Once you're out, no government help, nothing. It's like cold turkey, you're done. Yep. And what? Paul, that's not right. My God. No, it's not. Well, Paula Page was still in office then, so there was nothing I could do. But when I went back to Danbury to wrap up my probation, I would paint murals and I, you know, I was done with probation. So it, it was, I, I knew I was going to be okay. Um, and Janet Mills took over. She became the governor of Maine and she expanded Maine care so that everybody, you know, people like me could get health care. And honestly, that was the game changer for me. I continued treatment. I, you know, went to therapy. I got my, the proper medication and what I needed. And this allowed me to, you know, have a chance. And, you know, it's just, it just makes me so angry because, you know, I remember sitting in prison watching Paula Page get on TV and say, black thugs from the hood come up to Maine and impregnate our white women and flood our streets with drugs. I'm sitting there like, man, I was a drug dealer. I participated in bringing these drugs in. And you mean to tell me that these inner city kids who are more likely to join a gang or get shot than graduate high school know they can quadruple their money way up north in Maine when most people think it's part of Canada? No, white people, because Maine's 94% white people, yep. are going down and getting them. It's either your CIs who want, who want you know, to give, to give names over so they can, you know, keep breaking the law and not go mm -hmm. to jail. I mean, there, there were ton of, tons of them that would go down and it would be like a revolving door, one after the other. And these drug dealers would just kept, keep going to jail. Or it's addicts that want to find drugs and make some money. So they go down to the cities and get them and bring them up here. Yep. And you want to gaslight these people and 
blame blame this on them when first of all it's entrapment if you just left them there they wouldn't have caught a fed bid and you know you see it down in texas with them saying oh the the cartels sending the refugees over with all these drugs 86 percent of you know the bus are Americans going yep. to get these drugs and you're blaming yep. it on this marginalized community who needs help. Of course. Why not help the smallest group? Why, you know, I mean, blame the smallest group possible right. for all of the problems. Cause it's, you know, it makes sense apparently. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Folks. We're the ones, you know what, you know, let's talk about the gun problem. I mean, I'll tell you this much. You hardly see it being uh, black and Brown doing these mass shootings. So. No, it's all white men. Yep. You know, I'm more worried about the fact that 70% of child uh, sexual assaults are white men. Yeah. I mean, look what you, what we just saw. Right. You know, come out, even though this happened in February, but only because people opened up their mouths. Now you see what the Dalai Lama even did. And I mean, that is right. sick, man. Come on. Right. Yo. They say, oh, it's tradition for them to take out, take out their tongue like this. Sure. But to ask someone to suck it, especially a minor, uh, no. Yeah, no. that's weird. That's so yeah. gross. That's so, weird. No, that's just that's just nasty. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> no likey, likey. Yeah. That's not that's not cool. You know, but you see, so talk about these bills. Like, what were you presenting? Because I know you were doing well, things and getting stuff yes. done, Elizabeth. Yo, because you came out again on fire. <laughs> well, I painted murals when I was in prison, and that was really great. And I also hustled on the side. Um, were you always autistic? Yes, I was. Nice. Um, I just kind of lost it when I lost my way. Um, okay. But, you know, when, well, I told you about how I got stripped out in front of the camera, right? Yeah. Well, when I got to Alderson, I filed a PREA against Somerset County. Now, PREA stands for Prison Rape Elimination Act. And when Alderson got the complaint back from Somerset County, first of all, all these institutions are doing their own investigations. That's a problem because they're corrupt and they just do whatever they can to keep their numbers down and cover it up. Colleges do it, you know, jails do it. All these institutions do it. The military does it. And so and when it I shouldn't got- be. Anytime there's a crime, I'm sorry, this should not be held inside. We exactly. need the outside third party person that's fucking in the middle, not leaning any towards way. Let's just get to the facts. Exactly. Oh, man, we need to change that immediately, too. Yeah, I'm I'm working on it. (laughs) Slow (laughs) and steady wins the race. Um, But when uh, Alderson got the complaint back, they wouldn't even let me hold it to read it myself, let alone have a copy. I said, well, fine, I'll send it home. No, we don't do that. So Somerset admitted to everything I was complaining about. They said, yes, we have cameras in those cells. And yes, there's two men in Central at all times monitoring those cameras and the TVs and all that stuff. So in the state of Maine, by law, you cannot have a camera on an inmate in their living quarters while where they go to the bathroom. They do. They have it in the men's pod too. And so they basically said, yeah, we did it. So what? And Alderson wouldn't give me a copy. So I had no proof I made this complaint. And when you get out, you only have a hundred days to file an official complaint to sue or to press charges, whatever, 100 days. The first thing they asked for is where's the paperwork? Well, data wouldn't give it to me. So that's it. Like, that's, that's how it. they bury it. That's how and they that's bury how it. That's how it ends. It yes. ends. I can't get On- the paperwork. Okay, check. No paperwork. Yeah. I'm sorry. Wow. Boom. So by law, yes. 
by law, they're supposed to give inmates paperwork. So I requested my medical records. I requested all of my uh, requests and my grievances and the Prius. They wouldn't give me any of it. They told me I needed a lawyer to subpoena it. Well, you can't subpoena anything without an open case and you can't open a case without the paperwork. They know this. So, and there's no... There's no consequence if they don't give the paperwork. And that's the problem. So this is the bill I'm working on now. And we we should have it across the board. But I I think there should be a financial, you know, fine, like $500 a day for every day an institution stonewalls an inmate and refuses to give the paperwork. You're too too nice. Uh, A thousand a day. Yeah, let's let's go. (laughs) A thousand a day. Because again, you know, if they're all about law and justice, so then yeah. practice what you preach. Exactly. Like, and, and if I, you rehabilitated this, per, this person, if this person is rehabilitated and they're asking for documentation, fuck, effing provide it. I'm right. trying not and, to curse, but wow, you're getting me livid here. Elizabeth, yeah, I well, can't believe it, it this causes, It causes problems too because, you know, because I couldn't get that paperwork proving that I had been on Seroquel and it put me in psychosis, I had to go on Seroquel again. Before well, they gave post- you the stuff that messed you to begin with right back. Yep. Not, they, so, and you were telling them you couldn't do it. Yeah, I told them I couldn't do it. And they said, and they I told listen. them it put me in psychosis. And they said, well, we don't have the, the files to prove that you were ever on it. So, and I'm like, How about so ask for them? You need, yeah, I tried to. They wouldn't, they couldn't get it. They couldn't they get it? No, the the, whole, the, the, my the, doctors couldn't get it. I couldn't get it. They would not give these files over. Oh, and no, so I, no. I had to go through this medication again. I got to ask so, you, hey, Elizabeth, before you continue. So does the Freedom of Information Act not kind of I fall into them. place with this? I contacted them. They couldn't do anything. And they couldn't find a copy of my PREA complaint. Oh, and this oh. is the best part. This is the best part. So this, I told this you is how great. I'm, I'm digging this. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Alderson, I told you how Alderson wouldn't give me the paperwork. Yeah. When I got out the captain and four of his subordinates all got arrested for raping and stalking inmates and tampering with Priya evidence. So I, I, I wasn't even their biggest victim. Wow. I was far from their biggest victim. There were well, women getting good for them. Get all those corrupt motherfuckers out of there. And I, and I, I, you know, and listen, I don't ever wish ill on others, but I hope that they get the treatment that they were giving others. Yeah. Well, the captain only got 10 years for raping several inmates. Now, if he had several, saved, you only get yes. 10. Yeah. And those are just the ones that came forward. Like there were five or six girls that literally came out and got charges pressed. If they had done that to five regular civilian women, he'd be gone 50 years. But because we are inmates, our lives are, our traumas are not valued. That's bullshit, man. Y'all still human beings, regardless. We're all part of one race, the human race, regardless right. of color, gender, and all that. And abuse is abuse. No, and it needs a, to be right. spoken on and, and, and fought against because, nah, man, we're trying to make things better in this world, supposedly. But yeah. yet, if we're treating people like this, we're only making it worse, folks. Yeah, I mean, oh Sweden God. just refused to extradite um, an inmate back to Texas because they said Texas has cruel and unusual punishment. and The prisons are cruel and unusual punishment and they're crimes against humanity. There are other countries are not like sending prisoners back because they know how awful it is here. Like yeah. we make up 25% of the global incarceration population. Insane. We are 5% of the world. America the great, baby. Quarter. Oh yeah, we <laughs> the free. 
Like biggest and the free gas my ass. Twenty five percent of them are locked up. Seventy five percent land of the free. We we have more people in prison than entire continents. Jesus. This like is it's terrible. And not to mention, if you noticed over the pandemic, everyone's becoming homeless and they're criminalizing homelessness, fining people for feeding the homeless. And oh, now I saw it. right? It's like the yeah. zoo, don't feed the animals or you get kicked <laughs> out. It's like, yo, you so I can't treat my own human being right. as a human. Yeah, and then they moment. wonder why people have no empathy and so many mental health problems. Like right? you're, you're pushing you're, us into ma- this. You're making it illegal to be empathetic, like and, the, yeah. and there are 29 empty properties for every homeless person in America. There were three before the pandemic. And the jails were taking PPP loans. All the jails across the nation were yeah. taking PPP loans. The money that was supposed to go to the people and expanding their prisons. Because also, jails are businesses. This is why yeah. they were able to get those loans because they're not, they're not, they are private businesses, people. Jails yeah. in America are private institutions not aligned with the government. There are judges who own jails that are sentencing people to to go. And they to, get paper to take care of these inmates, right? And right. okay, so I gotta ask here because we assume that inmates eat well. They get in, everybody says, Oh well, I'd rather be in jail, man. You have a roof over your head, you get three meals a day, blah, blah, blah. Speak they on it a little in- bit. What's the truth? They come in boxes that say not for human consumption. That's the food we get. And it makes people sick. It's awful. And I remember in the feds when they decided that women are smaller than men, so we don't need as much food. And they cut our rations in half to save money. You're playing. No, I'm not. And you get food that's moldy. You get food that's, you know, not... Edible how can, at all. How can, all right, so if that's how the system wants to play, you know, this rehab that's supposed to be prison, like, how are you supposed to get rehabilitated when you're being treated like less than human? It's, you don't, it's a joke. I mean, what you, you can do classes there. You can, you know, I did all of the, all the stuff that I thought would help me, but you know, the good classes, like the codependency classes and the ones that will really help people, they take years to get into. And they want to talk about, oh, we have a hair, we have a, a hair cutting or fireman's uh, program. You only have 10 people in it out of 1,400 inmates. Like you're not helping that many people. Well, I, th- I, I think the security is kind of scared to place, you know, axes on in fifteen hundred people's hands. <laughs> well, I was at a camp. We're minimum security. They don't even have fences holding us in. And in fact, if we escape and choose to leave, they're not even allowed to shoot us because we're considered nonviolent. Oh, really? You can just walk away. I'll see you later, guys. <laughs> yeah, a couple people did. A couple people did. Like we are literally there on our own accord at that point. And you know, if if you do walk away, you're gonna get five years. But you know, if that's what you want to do, more power to you. I don't recommend it. But oh wow! And then uh, they put I... you behind the wall. You'll go to a much higher security and be in the hole for a long time. And... You're killing me, Elizabeth. I, 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 you know, I've had friends, but they don't ever want to talk. You know, no. but I've been, also been male friends. And just to hear from the female experience, just, geez, it sounds worse than the men's jail, to be honest. Well, yeah, because you get all of these guards that are closet domestic, you know, abusers. abusers, But why do they put so many males in a women-centric 
jail. I mean, I think, you know, women should handle women, men should handle men, just to avoid mm, that type yeah. of stuff going on. Even though I know that, yeah. Some women of the women are worse. Need to, yeah. Some of the women are worse. How can like, we fix this, Elizabeth? I don't want nobody to get hurt, man. Right. I, I don't want to see people like you, yourself, suffer, you know, like you have suffered. This is people not need, right. People need housing. People need mental health treatment. You know, it, it, and, you know, if, if people had, you know, basic housing, a lot of mental health issues would automatically go away because you wouldn't be worried about where your next meal is coming from. You wouldn't be yeah, worried about safe paying place. the rent. Safe space. Exactly. Yeah. Like we, and, and they want to blame everything on inflation. Like it's not inflation, it's corporate greed. Yes, a hundred. Of course, because I don't see the execs taking pay cuts to, to help ease right. things. You know, and I don't see them giving bonuses to their employees no, or, or and profit sharing, nothing, nothing. No, this will make you mad too. This is where a lot of our taxpayers' money is going. So when you go to prison, you have, you, if you don't have your GED or high school diploma, they will make you take the GED, which is great if you don't have it. Sure. But they make two grand for every inmate that goes into the GED class and then another two grand when they graduate. So all these inmates who couldn't prove they had graduated high school were being forced to take the GED. They had bachelor's degrees. And it was in their paperwork that they had bachelor's degrees in high school. But because the jails are getting paid two racks, well, four racks per head. Yep. And then, folks, you see this? This is corrupt. And then they cut corners again and make the inmates who have PhDs and bachelor's degrees teach the other inmates instead of paying for teachers. Now, there's no way in hell. Like, you know, I do yeah. content creation. There's no way in hell if I get locked that you're going to make me cheat somebody content creation. Nope. Yeah. Kill me. When <laughs> you yeah, can't. Well, Give when me solitary like, MFR because I ain't teaching anyone for anything. You better pay me for my time. Yeah, they pay them like $10 a month. <laughs> a month. She said a month. My God. And then you're yeah. telling me what? Why did that all buy me? Six ramen noodles? So I eat right. for six days? <laughs> they, they had inmates moving dead COVID bodies without PPP and everything. They were keeping inmates who had test positive for COVID, you know, in in general pot oh for six God. days. May I ask, yeah. uh, were you in during I, that time? No, I was oh, not. And God. I woke up every day during the pandemic going, thank God I'm not in jail. <laughs> Did you have? Did you leave any friends behind that that, that I left stood, a lot stood there of during that time? Behind, yes, um, yeah. Uh, a friend of mine said they were making them clean up COVID-infected areas with no PPP. Um, inmates were dying, and they were not getting them, you know, proper health care. Nothing, nothing. I mean, they don't get you proper health care anyway. One girl I was in there with was shoveling because that was her job to remove snow, she broke her foot on the ice. And by the time they took her to the hospital, they had to re-break her leg because the bone was fusing back together. So this whole, oh, they get free healthcare. No, they don't. They will let us die before, you know, bringing us to a hospital. I will get to so a point where, my gosh, I'm, I watched I just so many women die. I watched so many couple year bids turn into death sentences because they would not get these women help. And look at you. you. You've gone through all this. You've seen, you've seen all this. You've had friends going through this. And yet you came out, you know, you, like I said, do bills, open up business. You're doing art, art, fashion. So talk about that. How, I mean, how do you keep going with all that stuff that has gone in? I mean, how do you keep that fire in you? You know, I, I had kind of let the whole like jail experience go. And then there was an article in the paper about Somerset County and, that same officer that told me to kill myself 
was in the in the paper for getting another inmate to hang himself and she's still working there and she lost her sergeant stripes but that was it she and lost he, her stripes so somebody it. loses their <laughs> life but she loses her no, no, no. They, they saved him. He didn't die. But oh, okay. still, he, you almost killed that person. And nah, they knew they about it because they knew what fired. she did to me. I had no pension. And exactly. Me. There was an 18-year-old girl who got charged in the death of her boyfriend because he committed suicide after she kept egging him on. So you mean to tell me a sick 18-year-old can go to jail, but a sergeant of the law who has power over this An person, adult. Yeah. Can't, you know, isn't, isn't going to get you know, gets to keep her pension. Like this is insane. It's just, it's disgusting. It's what it is. And you're damaging, you know, future generations. You know, my generation trusted, we, we trusted our doctors. And when we had ADHD or depression or anything or a broken bone, they gave us all these addictive meds. And then when we got addicted to them, we got locked up. You know, we took, we, we did what we were supposed to do. We went to college, we took out college loans and now yeah. we're all swimming in debt. Like we did what we were supposed to do yeah. and we're all living in poverty or we're dead. Half the people that were born in 1986 in America are dead. Like half my generation is gone because wow. of the drugs. And, you know, we we're doing like 70% of the world prescription drugs and we Jeez. make up 5% of the world. Big pharma is just wow. making a killing. Yeah, well, not all for me because I'm 47 going on 48. I, I don't trust doctors. Yeah. And if I, if I go to an office where I see more than like two signs promoting pills, I'm like, all right, this guy's bought. Because I remember an incident when I was younger, teenager. You know, I went to a doctor that my mom was going to, you know, general practitioner. And as soon as I walked in, he looks at me and says, oh, you're the press. Here, oh, prescribing these pills. I'm like, like, ma, he ain't even touched me. I ain't taking the shit. You know what makes me so angry about these antidepressants is serotonin is in your gut. All these depression pills are playing with chemicals up here. And I had to go all the way to federal prison. I had a bipolar diagnosis, which turned out to be wrong. Um, but I had to go all the way to federal prison. They got prison. you all wrong, Elizabeth. Yeah. From the get <laughs> Jeez. Damn, yeah, so I had to go all the way there for someone to finally tell me that antidepressants can put somebody with bipolar into psychosis. It can make them homicidal or suicidal. And they're just handing these drugs Isn't that out crazy? Nothing. But and look at that. E e either you become a murderer or you murder yourself. Right. That, that, that's the choice. So, uh, okay, you how about taking none? <laughs> you're going to go to jail because right? and you did doctor. what your doctor said. Yes. Yeah. I mean... Is there any way that we could avoid this? And, and you know, if, if there's a situation like that, it's like, yo, this doctor just been prescribing me this crap. Is there any way for them to be held accountable? Well, you know, I don't know if holding the doctors accountable for big pharma's corruption is really the way to go, because then you'll have doctors who are too scared to prescribe anything and treat anything. And, you know, oh, they're probably take, breaking back to their weeks. roots for me. Right. Give me some and, herbs. <laughs> right, right. They only take six weeks to study prescriptions. And it's like they go by what Big Pharma says about these drugs. Yeah. And Big Pharma yeah. usually lies. And uh, so Big oh, Pharma, you mean, I'll give you Big Pharma. I'm Puerto Rican. The history of <laughs> Pfizer against the Puerto Rican people is, is horrendous. I mean, yeah. they experimented on Puerto Rican women with birth control pills. And you know how many of them died because you... Because, and again, this was in the New York Times where, you know, United, United States government went there with Big Pharma to, um, how is it, uh, control the savages. 
I'm a savage, apparently. Yeah, well, that's another, you just reminded me of something. So when I was in prison, I met a handful of American women inmates that had been sterilized against their will. This was before Trump filled up the, the ice camps with refugee women. And at one point, I noticed none of those women were white. And now it's a great day for white lives with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Like they are committing genocide. Yeah, that was crazy stuff. But again, you know, I, I'm not one to get political, but it's a woman's body. It's her choice. Men, get the fuck out of it. Government, stay out of it. Stay right. out. But you know what? All I say is this. If one of these politicians' daughters, something happens to them, gets into a compromised situation where they get impregnated. Oh, they'll still get abortions. Yeah, they're, they're, they're still going to get abortions. Oh. Yeah, and they'll keep it like this so that way they don't show a face, right? Yeah, one of the biggest pro-life douchebags at a Republican Party got two of his side, made two of his side chicks have abortions, and they didn't even want to. They wanted to keep the baby, but But I thought they were pro-life. Exactly. (laughs) Not if it means their reputation. And it's funny to me because in the Bible, it actually does talk about abortion. The priest gives the woman a potion, and only if the man thinks she's been unfaithful and it's not his baby. So it's okay to kill a baby if it's over a man's ego. And the priest will give the woman a potion and it's a curse, basically. That's that's how they worded it in the Bible. And it will make her womb swell and, you know, early labor, basically. So it's okay to kill a baby when, you know, according to the Bible, as long as the woman's being unfaithful or they assume she's been unfaithful. Wow. And, you know, that was that was that was my (laughs) first in prison was my first experience with banned books. A friend of mine tried to order the banned books of the Bible and they wouldn't let her have it. So naturally, when I got out, I had to read all of them. (laughs) Good for you. Exactly. I mean, I've even heard I've heard they even taken out uh, verses like there was a particular verse about the power of of fasting and prayer where Mm -hmm. it's missing in all the newer books. But if you look at a Bible from the 50s, it's there. It's like, okay, well, so what happened? <laughs> Why did they James, remove it? King James retranslated it. So when he retranslated it, he changed a bunch of words. Like homosexual, the original word in the original text was actually pedophile. Mm. That's an abomination. Not homosexuals, not any of that. You know, all the books written by women, automatic blasphemy, automatically banned. Or any of the stories that put women in a position of power. And that's what it is. It's, it's, you know, controlling the masses, oppressing women, oppressing minorities, and, you know, <laughs> slaves obey your master. They, they, yeah. they love to keep that one in there. Oh, don't, don't they, right? Well, right. you know what? Well, we ain't slaves. We, we, we have no masters, and we out here. We're going to be doing the whipping exactly. <laughs> <laughs> to those people. How dare they try to tell us how to be Exactly. Here. You know what? You know, Elizabeth, for real, I, I, I celebrate your strengths. And your Thank survival you. for you to do what you've done. I mean, wow, totally impressive. And to have this passion to not be broken, but you know, be fueled. And, and I hear that passion in your voice. You get excited, you get that energy. When you started off, you know, when we met, yeah, you're so soft, and now you kept getting passionate through. I love it. <laughs> yeah, you're real, you're you real. So before we go, talk about your clothing and art yeah, brand and, and, and I, what's popping. You know, that's the website right there, folks below. And this, yeah. you, you know, click the link. What we got? What so we got? Uh-oh, I brought some goodies. stuff to show you. This is um, 
placemat and everything's environmentally friendly and it comes in plus sizes. So we are very inclusive and it, it's sized properly. So like if you're a size five, it will be a size five. It will not be, you know, I, like, I remember when I was in high school and I was a little thicker and I would go for my size and certain brands would size their stuff super skinny or super small. And it would always make me feel really bad about myself. This brand does not do that. And I'm so happy about it because I would hate to add to body dysmorphia issues or anything <laughs> like that. And, you know, I'm digging yeah. it. That's I've beautiful. Bags. Art. Yeah. I painted oh, wow. So, oh, yeah, wow. This- That's dope. Very nice. Look how sheer too. Holy smokes. Yes. And all all the all the fabrics are just like amazing. I just I love them. Yeah, I used to work in fashion back in the day. So yeah, I get it. I'm appreciating the the look of yeah. it. I wish I could yeah, feel it. The textures look great. Yeah, it feels really, really nice. Like I got pillowcases. I mean, I've got everything. Ooh, oh, I dig that. I love that. I always love that 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 red when you do the black and white type yeah. stuff. Yeah, you know, it looks so. And hot. it shows the whole. You can see. You can go on the website and look at all the paintings as well. So, that's really yeah. That's really cool. So um, are, are you going to be doing any shows where we could buy any of the stuff in person? Yeah. Or what? Um, oh yes. Uh-oh. I'm in well, the northeast. Was, so tell me where you're going to be. <laughs> well, there's a couple stores in Bangor that are carrying my my product. Um, nice. I'm trying to get now that I'm down south. I'm trying to get them in the stores down here. But I want to do vendor shows, and I'm really excited well, about you know getting into doing vendor shows and you know getting the brand out there that way, and you know doing fairs and like fun little events like that. Awesome. But yeah, I, there is something for everybody. And like this print is on, like all the prints That's are fun. on several different items. So you can get pants, you can get shirts, you can get scarves, headbands, bags. Like you can do like full match. Like, Oh, nice. Look at that. I love the colors. You, you really go with the colors and the blending. I'm digging. Thank you. Oh, here's another black and red. Ooh, yes. Yeah, yes. and these little these little he, uh, skulls or scarves they um they can be used as headbands too. Oh, that's cool! I'm digging it. Thank you. That that, that one had a healthy set of teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm digging it. Yo, you got some great stuff. Passionate, you know, helping the world, putting up brands. Yo, Elizabeth, you doing it all? Doing it Thank all? Thank you. So- Actually, I've got some uh, pictures of some of the. Uh, murals i did in prison too this is these are the murals i did at danbury they're still up i guess that's my phoenix it rises from the ashes (laughs) yeah they would only let me paint um with blue they wanted this bright blue and i could only use that color so it's like an entire wall of just you know black and blue i did some uh silhouettes oh wow i'm digging that very nice oh that's dope. What? You need to do some comic book shows too. Go to Artist Alley. You can sell these prints. Absolutely. Very I nice. would love to. Very nice. Hell yeah. Love the choices of colors and artistry. Girl, you got to just do it. Do the comic convention. Do everything and spread word of everything you're doing. You're definitely it's a wonderful human being. And it seems, you know, you're, you're out there thank with you. a mission. So thank you. 
Thank you for sharing working on it. Your oh, story the, your the other the other bill Crazy. I got the other bill I got passed in Maine. And Another this is bill. What? Look, yeah. Listen to this. Ah, I love it. <laughs> so, Soldier, kiddo. <laughs> <laughs> so these landlords were charging all these application fees and all these processing fees just to apply to an apartment. They were charging Bro. like a hundred dollars per person. Yo, I live in Florida. I understand. No. Just to tell people no. So they're getting Damn. like triple the rent in a month and yeah. not renting these properties and it is driving the homeless population up so i got the legislatures in maine to put um a tenant bill of rights in and it says you only can charge an application fee if a lease is signed you know what that applied here in massachusetts too because i just moved to where i'm at now and uh we couldn't take the fee until I did the lease and then, okay, I need to do a background check regardless. So that's, you know, like, all right, they couldn't even take the money for that. I was like, okay. So yeah, I'm like, wow, this is not like Florida. Because in Florida, they would do an open house. You will get a hundred families there paying a hundred dollars a pop. Yeah. And then the next day you see another hundred families paying a hundred dollars a pop. So here the whole weekend, the probably, yeah, in the whole weekend, they probably made 20 racks with how many families went there. Yeah. And that's people's moving money. Like, you know, we paid over a thousand dollars in application fees just to be told no. Bullshit. That is a oh, Elizabeth, I'm yo, if you need a warrior by your side, just stand there, <laughs> arms crossed, like you better listen because you know, a hundred, please, yo. If, if we could eliminate that for everybody, because it, it's really is ridiculous. New York yeah, is getting into that. Now scam they're charging too. processing fees, they're charging $250 processing fees. Like, what are you processing? All you gotta do is read the application. Exactly. Takes five minutes. How about I this? Mean, you read just... my energy and you tell me you like me or not. This is why I like this landlord. <laughs> he goes by recommendations from his tenants. So he goes, That's if one of my tenants recommends me someone, you know, and they know how I am, I know I'm getting someone good. But when it comes to but... a stranger, they'll be more iffy. But on recommendations, he'll give you the place, I swear. No fees. <laughs> I was so happy. Thank God my boy knew him. Awesome. <laughs> you know, that's why it's nice to network people and be friendly. All right. Um, right. Real, but that's why you got to be awesome too. Like Liz, you know, if you believe in something and you're passionate about it, get it done. You know, put it out there. Fight, yeah, fight, I'm, fight. I'm just tired of watching people suffer. Like the suffering well, of the American people is a trillion dollar industry and it needs to be brought the fuck down. <laughs> yes. One effing hundred percent needs to be brought down we need to be humans again we're not all these colors of the rainbow we are one no. race some we are people are blessed with melanin and they can sit outside in the sun a little bit longer yeah. and then other people like me you, you burn and that's okay yeah, it's all right that's hey listen I, I have irish friends you know they're <laughs> for five minutes they turn into a tomato <laughs> you know <it's> like, <laughs> they're like oh man i wish i was like you right now <laughs> i love it but yeah, listen, we gotta celebrate our differences and have fun with them, you know. But but respect one another, love one another, support one another. It's not that difficult, people. And when you see no, abuse, no. be like Liz and fight, fight back and fight hard, and don't take no for an answer. So Elizabeth, right. one last thing before we go, out of all of this experience and this journey, what are the last few what words would you share with listeners and viewers if they're going through something similar? You know, just keep your head up. It does get better and, you know, get help. 
try to get help. I mean, I know law enforcement doesn't always help with these things. I mean, you know, try to find, you know, I, I had to work on my trauma before I got sober and, you know, like try to keep your mental health, you know, on, on point, you know, if, if you're, if you're falling apart and losing it because you're in this abusive situation and it's really hard to not fall apart and, you know, be stable, like, believe me, I know, but you know, if you feed into those, you know, impulsive urges that the trauma is giving you, you're going to make your situation worse. Yeah. You know, document everything, take pictures, you know, try to get witnesses and anything and talk. For sure, talk, share. So okay. that way, when this comes out as a whole, people won't be caught by surprise. Oh, you know what? I was I no. was told that. And people need to stop defending abusers. And that was one thing I had to come to terms with. Like, just because I would have all these, you know, guys in the street, they'd have my back and show up and, you know, not save me, but, you know, protect me, you know, if I was getting in a situation. And then all of a sudden, I'd have this blind loyalty to them. And, you know... I, I couldn't, you know, separate the fact that just because they protected me doesn't mean they wouldn't hurt somebody else. Let me and tell you, Elizabeth, that's I shared that today because loyalty is my greatest strength, but also my greatest weakness. Right. Blind loyalty got me in some bad situations. <laughs> because I couldn't <laughs> I hear you, girl. I hear you. Um, it's a great thing, but a bad thing. And it's like darn it. Right. Healthy darn boundaries. It. Learn yes. healthy boundaries. Agreed. And you know. Always work on yourself. Always try to better yourself. If, if you're sitting there going, oh, I'm, I'm fine, I'm this. No, you are far from fine. There's always things to learn. There's always things to be better at. And yeah. Yeah, I agree with you, Elizabeth. Let me tell you, I've, I've had months of self-reflection, you know, uh, based on experience I'm, 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 I've had and I'm still living through and I'm still in a healing stage. So yeah, being alone and that self-reflection to heal yourself from the trauma and then healing yourself uh, every other than the next couple of steps you're yeah, definitely going to be on a much better road you know mental yeah, you health is very learn, important you have to learn how to be able to tolerate yourself like i am perfectly happy being by myself and you know i can you know i'm, I'm not like oh my god i need other people i need validation no i i yeah. don't i can sit with myself and be perfectly fine with it oh yet, for me for myself is let me get my xbox controller or something right. and street fighter and i'll kick somebody's ass there and i'll be happy yeah. <laughs> now nah, but elizabeth you're awesome again i appreciate your energy Thank folks you. I, I have the links below and i've been showing them on screen so make sure uh check out the website you can buy some dope products to put an amazing you know creator you know business person spokesperson a person that's out there on a mission for the human race all right so show the love the support you can also follow her on twitter and instagram at epm underscore art underscore 11 11 and on tiktok okay? and, and on TikTok. tiktok at the same yep it's hey the same. so if you want to catch a ticket and talking you know what i'm saying hey <laughs> you know you gotta just do it up and follow her on tiktok as well show the love and of course you know check out max and the family over at comiccrusaders.com and also undercovercapes.com if you're all into pop culture and who isn't I mean, so goof off for a little bit, catch up on comics, on movies, on music, and a whole lot more. And of course, for this channel, the Omega Podcast, where I talk and speak with amazing entrepreneurs, business folks, people that are just trying to make the world a better place, check out the AMP, the Omega Podcast. Subscribe, turn on notifications. You know what it is. Hasta la próxima, mi gente. Thank you for tuning in. Bye. 
And that's a wrap for today's episode of the Al Mega Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening to the insights and stories from our guests. Remember, success is a journey, not a destination. And every step you take, no matter how small, brings you closer to your goals. Don't give up on your dreams and keep pushing forward. Until next time, thank you for tuning in and stay motivated.